Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's Friday. Yay. Friday, December 18th. And yep, we're closing in on that weekend. Although, I don't know, weekdays, weekends, it all kind of feels the same after a while, doesn't it? Uh, Listen, we have an unbelievable guest for this weekend. It was a great get. Um, I know many of you loved our early pandemic interview with Scott Galloway. Well, he has written a book and um, we'll be highlighting that book over the weekend. You won't want to miss this. He's never boring. Always assured. He's a fantastic guest. So he's got a lot of thoughts about what who are basically the winners and losers of the pandemic period and how we get through this. So you'll see that in your feed this weekend. Meanwhile, let's get to your questions. As always, if you have something on your mind, why not send us an email? Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Ken is asking about Roth conversions. And he says, hi, Jill and Mark. I'm a latecomer to the party and during lockdown discovered your amazing podcast. Oh, that's so nice. Belated birthday wishes to you, Jill, and you gift us daily with your sage and practical approach to solving money problems. Thank you. That's very nice of you. Thank you, Ken. Ken says, I'm 54. I've been a freelance consultant in the events business. Ay, that's not good right now for the past five years. Well, the live events business is in a coma and with so many of us affected, the need for large scale events and support has hurt everyone down the line. I do count myself as fortunate for not having to worry about putting food on the table. I have two questions. I worked for a company for 24 and a half years before being laid off. And during that time, I socked away money in a 401k right up to the match every year. I rolled the money into an IRA. It's valued at just under a million dollars. As a freelance sole proprietor, I also opened a solo 401k and that has a balance of $400,000 from the last five years. And then I also have a Roth IRA with 23,000. So retirement savings total 1.4 million. I also have $855,000 in a brokerage account, 40 grand in cash. Okay. The brokerage and IRA are managed through personal capital. Uh, It's uh, 0.69% of the assets they manage. And I think that might be too much, but provide a good direction, reduce my fees from previous investment houses. Okay. And he says my, his previous advisor was a one and a quarter percent. He goes, what was I thinking? Funding the broker's retirement? Not mine. I'm sort of okay with personal capital and I like the strategy and access to other services. Okay. Then stay there. Okay. Here's what he's got. 
He's got a $220,000 30-year mortgage. It's a 4%. There's 22 years remaining. And he says, I'm currently waiting for a refi to 15 years at 2.5%. I wonder if he's going to get that refi since he's not working. We'll see. Pay off the credit card every month. Annual expenses, 85 to 90 grand. Pretty much the same for the foreseeable future. Medical paid through unmarried partner's employer, which is already accounted for in the annual expenses. Unmarried partner is 59. He attends to work to 67. He saved 750 grand, no debt. We do not commingle our finances, so don't take his info into account. Got it. Okay. He says, I'm considering a Roth conversion of $25,000 this year, and I would pay the taxes since my adjusted gross income is about $50,000. Or should I add more to my 401k or keep the emergency fund stable? Mm. See, I really am inclined to say, yes, absolutely convert because your income's down. However, I don't want you to blow through your emergency fund. So, I mean, I guess you could always take money out of the Roth, but... uh, Unless you have more money kicking around, then I guess you're just going to have to do nothing. You just really in, you're in conservation mode. So I don't think so. Two, I've been prospecting like crazy for work. I even applied for a full-time job to no avail. It's soul crushing. I'm thinking I should consider semi-retirement unless something comes up next year. I've been applying for part-time jobs. There are a lot of us out there. That said, the model I get is 78% for retirement. Is it enough to go on? No, it's not. It is not. Especially he writes that his health is very good. After all, with all the free time, I'm on the Peloton. He uses the app just like you and Mark. (laughs) Um, No, I don't think that. I don't like 78% success for retirement. See, what I think is happening is you're panicking because you can't get the job. Okay. But you're not that old. You know, what I think is that six months from now, a lot more is going to open up in the economy. Your events business may not come back, but you probably have some access to get into something else. I don't think you can throw in the towel. And I don't think at age 54, it makes sense to do that. Because if your health is very good, you can think about this, that you're going to probably live for 35, maybe even 40 years. And so even if you got a 78% success for retirement, I wouldn't roll the dice on that. Okay. Uh, this is from, uh, another Ken who says, I enjoy your show and your ability to give concise and understandable answers to any type of question. Ken owns a bakery and he says, I lease the unit in a three unit building. I've entered into an agreement with the owner to purchase the building for about $124,000. I thought the process to get the commercial loan through my bank would be easy since I've been a customer for 45 years and I've never had a problem before. Well, they denied me. Commercial loans are hard. Okay. I then tried for a home equity line of credit from then, once again denied despite the fact that I have a $169,000 house and no mortgage. Very frustrating as you might expect since I started this process back in July. That is a bummer. How can you not get the home equity? You know what I would do is I might go and look at that. So you have a, you have a home, you have $169,000 home and there's no mortgage. If you really want to get a home equity, I would start shopping that around and see if you can get somebody to write that loan. He goes on to say the other source could be IRAs. He's got two IRA accounts, um, but he was worried about pulling money out and paying the taxes associated with it. I mean, you can pull the money out through the CARES Act this year and then spread the tax liability out over three years. The 
penalty would not apply to you since you say you're 62 with a 13-year-old. I think that what I would probably like you to do is not to use the retirement account for this building. I think that I would really rather you try to figure out a way to refinance the house or finance the house or get some sort of equity loan because you know, you didn't say how much money you have, but like pulling all the money out of your retirement account would kind of screw you up with some of the subsidies you're getting for your Obamacare. And I don't know, it gets very, very tricky here. So, you know, I know it, it's, um, you know, you, you have this great opportunity, but I, I'm not sure I'd pull the money out of the retirement accounts to do it. It might screw up some other things. So just be careful with that. Hey, here's something fun. We're going to do something right here in the middle of the podcast. Check this out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, so go check out the skim. Skim's kind of cool. Check it out. All right, we got another question here. This is from Art, who says, Hey, Jill and Mark, first off, I love the podcast. I listen daily during my commute. My question revolves around how much for an emergency reserve fund. I know, rule of thumb, six months of expenses. However, my wife and I are military retirees. Between the two of us, we bring in about 150 grand a year from just that. Oh, my God. After taxes, it's twelve grand a month. Our living expenses are about $7,000 a month. We also work, and so they've got an additional $10,000 a month with their post-military careers. We have $21,000 in cash and cash equivalents. We fully fund our retirement accounts. Uh, yeah, you don't nearly need to worry about this. <laughs> you're not missing anything. I wouldn't really worry. I, I think you're just fine. And then the question was, any recommendations on a small house-friendly fur baby for my girls? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have terriers. I'm a big terrier kind of gal. I think, uh, you know, a Westie, I have Norwich Terriers. Go check out my picture on the Jill on Money website. Go to the Furry Fan Club, and I'm in the top left corner, and you'll see what mine girls look like. Okay, next. Dear Jill, I love your book and I'm listening to your podcast. I've also heard you on other podcasts and value your advice. I hope you're able to answer this question. I'm single, 57. I want to retire early next year before I turn 58. My townhouse is paid for with minimal association dues. I've got 800 grand in an IRA. I plan to convert as much as possible to a Roth in the years to come. And I probably won't touch this money until age 70 or later, if possible. It's moderately invested and diversified. I've got 550 grand in uh, money markets. I know it's too much, she says, and about 200,000 in a mixed bag of brokerage taxable funds that I will tap into after the cash is spent or redirected. That is about $750,000 for gap years until social security age slash pension years. I do plan to set aside about seven dollars to $12,000 from my cash account toward Roth conversions and don't plan on stopping to invest. I'll have a pension at 65, 20 grand a year. All my accounts are through Fidelity, including a pension for life. It's amazing. I anticipate social security will be about $2,800 per month. 
And she says, unless Congress cuts it, Congress is not cutting your social security. Traditional retirement age, she means her full retirement age, 67. She says, later, if I budget properly, I'd like my spending to be between 60 and 75 grand a year, depending on travel and health insurance costs. I'm remaining flexible. I'm budgeting $12,000 per year toward medical right now. She only spends 40 grand a year. Hmm. Between age 85 and 90, I could receive a sizable inheritance from my sister and brother-in-law who are 12 years older than I am without children. Oh my God, it could be more than a million dollars on part of their trust. I like to travel, no other debt. Do you think I can safely semi-retire next year and then try to find part-time work to put some money toward budget each year? Each time I run the numbers, it tells me I can, but listening to your podcast, I'm not so sure. You seem ultra conservative in your approach. <laughs> Anita, Anita, I mean, I think you're going to be fine. Guys, I have a hard time with these retirement questions in the 50s. I'm really, I'm, I'm really doing like a serious amount of like transference because I'm thinking of myself and that would mean that retirement for me is fairly close and around the corner and I can't imagine that. And Mark says that can't happen. So Anita, besides my immediate reaction to this, which is to like somehow think about this is about me. And even though I know it's not about me, I think you're going to be fine. This is really is like you've done great planning. You are willing to do these things. I mean, before you just call it quits, though, I mean, I get I tell you, I would definitely get through the crisis. And yes, working part time would be great. Could you do what you're doing now part-time? Could you maybe do that or a project basis? I didn't mention what you do. You're fine, though. You really are. Mark, I'm having a problem with this, aren't I? <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't want to. I am not a dream crusher. I think that it's just hard to imagine that, you know, you could be pretty much doing nothing for 30 or 40 years. Right. Michael Goodman said it best. He said, let's stop calling it retirement. Let's call it being unemployed for 30 or 40 years. And how do you feel about that? Look, Anita, I think you're going to be fine. So I don't want to freak you out by that, by any stretch of the imagination. However, I would be very careful before I make that decision and give up something that maybe you like to do. I don't know if you like to do it or not. Maybe you don't. Maybe you hate doing it. I would be careful. Okay. All right. That's it. That's it for the podcast. <gasps> so exciting. This weekend, Scott Galloway, get psyched. As always, wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, and try to lift somebody up today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.